Welcome to Tice Talks, where we talk all things faith and family. We currently have been going through. Dr. Hey, excuse Tice's... me for just a minute. Just just a minute. Oh my. Uh, can we? We always talking about faith and family. How about charity and family? And how about hope, hope and family? Thank you. Of charity, faith, and hope and family. I think, I think you're right because we just keep talking about the family and leave, and faith is the only one that ever gets talked about. So, so today we're talking about faith, hope, and charity and family. We'll leave Matt and Josh okay, out. That's fine. I have five children. I have Matthew's my oldest. Joshua's my second. And then I had charity, faith, and hope. I always wanted. Somebody asked me just the other day, why did you call her Charity? I think it was one of your kids. Why did you call mom Charity? I said, because I always wanted a little girl that was going to be pretty in, in frilly dresses. And and I, I thought the name Charity was so beautiful. And that's why I named your mother Charity. And then it was just natural that I would call our second one Faith and then the third one Hope. And so for four years... I remember Grandma told me that she wondered why on earth you guys would name me Charity. That's because like a donation center. Her ge- her generation <laughs> and, and during the Depression thought Charity was like, oh, I'm not taking Charity. I am not taking Charity, right. and it was just a terrible thing. <laughs> and uh, so anyway, so Charity, Faith, and Hope, and this is Tice Talks, and we're discussing your book, Hope for My Hometown. And it really, it's a tearjerker. When I read through it, I'm like, wow, it's amazing to see the miracle after miracle after miracle that God has done watching you guys rely on the Lord. You and mom have relied on the Lord for the last 45 years. Is it 45? It's 45 years. I was just thinking today that next year I will have known your mother for 50 years. We met in September of 1973. I asked her to marry me in November of 1973, and her mother said no (laughs) for the next three and a half years, and then finally I got to marry your mother 45 years ago. Wow, that's so cool. 50 years. Well, we today, as we're going through Hope for My Hometown, um, I wanted, I was really impressed with the second chapter, how it was, it just showed how the Lord brought you through, but then there was other pastors and there is other people and churches that really came along and encouraged you. There wasn't a whole lot. You didn't have a whole lot of different people, but the people that were in your life really were there to help um, encourage you. And that's a lot of young people need that. I need that. And I'm not, I mean, I'm turning 40 this year and I, I need the older generation to come in and tell me, just keep going. (laughs) <laughs> Just keep doing it. Typically, what I encourage young men who are starting churches to do is to go out on deputation, just like a missionary, uh, prepare a plan, prepare a, uh, uh, set some goals, um, talk, uh, get, take, do research about the city you're going to so that you can make a presentation to pastors and say, um, look, this is where we're going, this is what we're planning on doing, and this is what we this is the help that we need, but we didn't know that. And you didn't uh, do that. No, Jerry Falwell just said, well, when I graduated, I came back to my hometown and we started a church. And I thought, well, that's what we're going to do then. We'll just graduate and go back to Las Vegas and start a church. And the idea of deputation 
was not on my mind. In fact, I tell people if we would have gone out on deputation, we wouldn't wouldn't have known anybody <laughs> because we were independent, independent. We didn't know anybody to ask for help from. So we didn't, we had nowhere to go. So we just went to the Lord. But then uh, I, I think last time I told the story of praying for three hours. Yes. Did I talk about yeah, that? Yeah, you talked about that. But tell them about um, the list that you and when you went and you met with Pastor Petapiece uh-huh. after he talked through and made sure that you were a born-again Christian and didn't have any crazy ideas. I was an independent Baptist. I was an independent Baptist. and that, uh, So uh, he, asked, he asked me all these questions, and uh, after that he said, well, he said, I, I uh, would like to find out, or he said, I'd like to let you know that there was a church in town. It was called the Las Vegas Baptist Tabernacle. Now, before this, though, you and Mom wrote a list yes. that you prayed through. In fact, in the book, Hope for My Hometown, mm-hmm. the list is there. Uh, we just we put it in there. Uh, we started praying specifically that God would give us. Uh, it was a pretty detailed list yeah, it, what, it's, you, what you needed to start a church. It wasn't fancy. It was just written on a prayer di- diary book that um, that we used, but... I listed things like uh, like the. Um, We're playing catch with the book, here, people. <laughs> I we listed things like people. We listed a sound yeah, that's system. That's good. You can have everything, but if you don't have people at the church, then <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of so we, hopeless. We prayed for people. We prayed for sound uh, sound equipment. We prayed for uh, offering plates. We prayed for. Um, hymn books we prayed for sunday school material uh we prayed for uh of course a location just uh just a myriad of things we just wrote down probably a list of about 15 to 20 things and we came and i said to after brother pettipiece had interviewed us i said to or he said well there's a church that had uh has closed its doors and when they closed their doors they said, we understand that a young man is coming to Las Vegas to start a church, and we would like to support him. And uh, what we have is all this stuff, and we're going to take it, and we're going to put it in a, uh, in a mini storage warehouse. And he said to me, would you like it? And I said, yeah, let's go look at it. So it was over in, in a warehouse in the southwest part of town, and we went we went over to this mini mini story warehouse, opened it up, and when we went inside, it had everything that was on that list. Everything that was on our list was in that was in that mini storage warehouse, uh, except for a piano. I said, we have a prayer th- a list that we've been praying for for specific things that God would give us these specific things, and. Uh, and and they're all right here. I said, except for this, we asked we asked the Lord to give us a piano, and there's no piano in there. He said, oh, he said we didn't want to put the piano in a mini storage warehouse. That's at Aww. one of their former church members' houses, and you can go buy and pick it up. Everything in there, isn't that amazing? Yeah. Like how God worked. I I I imagine the people as you're praying, like. Oh, should we? Will they want this? Do you think they want this? No trash that, because you know you don't want to yeah. give people junk. No, they're not going to need this. Whatever church coming in, and everything that God said that you wanted 
Yeah, it was just there. It's, it was amazing. There was there was a track rack for putting tracks wow. in, and we used that track rack probably, was man, for 10 one? years. Yeah. We still have some of the chairs, folding chairs. There were, we, oh, wow. there were 100 folding chairs, brown folding chairs, and we still have some of those folding chairs. Uh, we still have the piano. Uh, at least last time I checked in the youth department, there was a piano that was still there. What a huge encouragement to yeah. come and be like, God, there's there's no one here cheering us on, no one here to help us. And then someone comes in and says, God's like, I got your back. We're taking care of you. Yeah. So if you say, you know, it, uh, whether somebody's a church planter or whether someone's a mom or someone's a businessman, um, as to somebody who's older generation, what would you say how you should go and encourage that person that next generation because a lot of times there's a lack of encouragement from an older generation and i think sometimes because the younger generation wants to buck and do our own thing and they we don't um value a lot of times and because of that it's turned the older generation off to wanting to help out and wanting to encourage but if you say hey there's some things that you can do, even so. Here I am, forty. What can I do for those in their twenties to encourage them on? And what can I do? Um, what are some practical things that you would say to? I do? think number one, it's very important that a that a peop, that we remember who we were when we were twenty two years old. Oh. I think it's really really important that uh, for me to remember. I sometimes older pastors or older people can get frustrated with the with. Uh, younger with a younger generation Yesterday who wants to we were run- do <laughs> their own thing. My kid Lincoln was not running at all. He was catching up with his papa. We were we had gone bowling and we were walking through the casino. We're in Las Vegas. That's uh, that's life. So we're walking through the casino. And this this old lady puffing on her cigarette, pressing her putting her coins into the slot machine said. Uh, I don't know why parents let their children run. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm sorry, no one taught you how not to smoke and what to do better with your money. <laughs> he wasn't even running, though. Like, I get yeah. it. You know, you yeah. don't want your kids running through buildings. But that's it. It's like, uh, and it's like, well, do you remember being eight? Yes, yes. <laughs> like, the, the, it's, it's amazing. Um, I, we just forget. Uh, I have pastors say to me, you know that young pastor he's trying all these new radical things. Well, when I was a young pastor, I was trying everything I knew to get people to come to church. I would whatever it was, right, I especially cuz you didn't go on deputation. Yeah. <laughs> like we need yeah. to eat whatever people. whatever I need, I just got to get people to come to church and we we did radical things, we did crazy things. We even before we started pastor I started pastoring this church, we did things to get kids on bus routes and crazy nutso stuff uh and yet we look at some of the things some of the methods that are being used by a younger generation of pastors and we can be condemning and critical of them uh, don't do that remember who you were and remember what you did and remember the things that you did wrong uh, or the things that you did right that everybody else thought was wrong and it's okay it's okay for people to um to start out on their own that's uh, really good i think it's important too that for people that are my age 
not to fall into what I call the Saul syndrome. When David came along and was now the guy that killed Goliath, and Saul heard Saul heard the women yelling, yeah. Saul has killed his thousands and David's killed his 10,000. Mm-hmm. It's the easy jealousy. to get really jealous. Again, uh, just get upset. Mm-hmm. Don't you recognize what I've done? Don't you recognize yeah. what I've done? Um, there is a there is a time that the baton is going to be passed on whether we like it or not. Yeah. And that doesn't necessarily mean maybe that's not the per, the the perfect illustration because you can be still running in a in a relay. Right. You can still be going. We're all uh, running our own race. Yeah. yeah, let people do what God's called them to do, and don't make people. You fall. can encourage the person beside you, or ahead of you, or behind you. That's don't right. try to trip them up. Yeah, you're running your own race. You're not racing against them. Yeah. Wow, that's that's so so good. Even now, like with our you know encouragement from women. We have, um, I have a lot, and I love it that the ministry encouragement from women who've been there, I have a lot of women that are in their late 20s, early 30s that are wanting to do stuff for it. And I kind of feel a little bit old now because <laughs> they're like, can I, can I help do this? I, we have a podcast that's coming out just for women, and it's going to be run by, I think she's 28. She might be a little older. But Haley Shoemaker was like, can I please do this? I would love to do it. And I feel older, <laughs> but I'm excited. Yes. Because I think this whole ministry can last beyond me. That's exactly right. We're not here to promote our names. We're here to promote the cause of Jesus Christ. Now, they, there can be cons- some honest concerns that that a ministry is going in a direction that might dishonor the Lord, and and we can be honest about that. Mm -hmm. The fact of the matter is there's just a lot of, I don't even think it's the word jealousy, just there's there's contention. I think there's a spirit of division between between brothers and sisters in Christ. Saul and David were totally different entities, really. They could have, he could have just continued on and taught David and loved him like the father he was supposed to be. Oh, and just the end of his story would have been so much different. it could have been beautiful. Yeah, yeah. But instead... The Lord said, you're going, you're not going to be the king anymore. This kid's going to be the king. So, okay, uh, I can fight that. I've already blown it. I mean, it's not that uh, older preachers have all blown it, but I've, uh, but God wants this guy in, then I'm going to be as much of a as a help, it's like how David and David did do that. Yeah. David was told, "No, you're not building the temple, even though this is what you want to do." And he said, "Okay, then I'm going to help Solomon. I'm yeah. going to help the next guy." So when Solomon was ready to build the temple, all the stuff was there, already done. Amazing. And, it's amazing. And, and it didn't. It wasn't all about David. Yeah. But Saul made it all about him. Wow, that's really that's great. I think also you can be a person that's asking questions instead of making demands. If I if I'm coming to somebody or somebody's planning on starting a church on the other side of town, or somebody is uh, trying to um, it, it, whatever ministry or whatever they're doing, I need to be able to say, "Hey, so what are you planning on doing here, or what are you planning on doing there?" It's amazing how a younger generation will listen to you if you're asking questions not making demands if you're Hmm. saying oh so what do you plan on doing here and when you're asking questions 
whatever we sow, we reap, what will happen is they will begin to ask questions. Oh, that's good. And when they're asking questions, then you can make it a positive impact. Right. And they'll, they're, they're, we earn the right to be heard. And if I'm listening to them, then they're going to be willing to listen to me. And I think that's really, really important. Hmm. So uh, then when you're asked questions, sometimes we don't want to be hurtful. Yeah. So give your sincere opinion. Tell people what you really think right. and not just what you think they want to hear. Oh, that's uh, really, that's so. And that's, I mean, and that's tough sometimes. Yeah. Guy came to me one time and he said, he said, uh, I don't know why anybody's not coming back to our church. Mm-hmm. He said, we have people visiting the church, but nobody comes back. And I said, well, you really need to do a self-examination. Mm-hmm. Of yourself, number one, you need to ask yourself, when people come here, are they getting what they need? Um, are they, I said, for instance, you, this is back when cassette tapes were, were the thing. I said, have you ever recorded yourself speaking and, and listened to your, to your messages on Sunday morning? And he said, I can't stand listening to myself <laughs> preach. And I thought, I thought, well, if you can't stand listening to yourself, then who else is going to want to listen to you? You've got to go through the through the torture yeah. of of listening to yourself and thinking, man, so do I want to hear this? Yeah. I used to use, and that would have been a really hard thing for you to say too. Yeah, like saying, "Hey, look, you need to fix this." Yeah, by doing- I mean, here's the deal. I when I when we first got uh, married and I first started preaching. I used double negatives all the time, hmm. which your mother explained to me made me look very unintelligent. Hmm. And she was very kind about it, but she said, David, you use double negatives all the time. I used to say, um, um, um. Until um, the guy that came and told you yeah, that you did it 94 times. times. <laughs> you said, um. <laughs> so, um, uh. <laughs> anyway. Listening to yourself will help you to correct yourself, yeah. and you can you can get too hyper analytic right. about yourself. But too. but I, I just think that's important. The second thing I told him is you need is your are your people welcoming? Are they friendly? Hmm. They're gonna that's gonna come from you welcoming your people and loving your people. People come to church number one for fellowship. I was going to say they come to church number one for preaching. That's not true. <laughs> they come to church number one for fellowship, and then they come. They're going to continue coming if you're feeding them, yeah. and if they feel accepted and they feel like this is a place. So that's what I, w- I so would do. So going and encouraging those pastors, being and other people. So like, doesn't matter what stage of life you are. If you're in the if you're a little bit older, and there's a younger generation. A mom that's 22 years old can take this and say, how can I help my my eight-year-old? Or, well, not 22. How can I help my (laughs) (laughs) one-year-old? How can I help them? And these are practical things on how you can help the next generation. So when you're... When you're 30, how can you help the generation that's in the teens? When you're 40, how can you help the generation in their 20s? So those are some really practical steps. Will you go just read over those really quick? Again okay, let me give you go? let me give you one more thing. I oh, think it's okay. really important. When we're talking to individuals, uh, when we're talking to individuals, we need to remember our own imperfections and realize this: 
that we have a tendency to be very, very critical, self-critical. And what we need to do is help people understand. Though we're saved, we're still sinners. We still have faults. We're not going to do everything perfect. We're not going to do everything right. All we need to do is give our best to the master. And I'm not we're not here talking about the crucified life or anything. God's got to work through us, and we understand all that. I just wanted to, on a very practical basis, how do I encourage myself when I think, man, I'm in the midst of all this stuff, and it's not all getting done. Hmm. How do I I encourage myself? Here's what I do. I say, okay, God, I've done the very best I know how for you today. I started with prayer. I've, I've, I've tried to be in your word. I've tried to do everything I know that you want me to do. And so, God, I'm leaving the results to you. Hmm. I'm doing, I give, there's this old Christian song called Give of Your Best to the Master. I've given of my best, so the results are now up to you. That doesn't mean I can't grow, can't go to idea day. I can't go to some other place and gain gain knowledge. It does mean that what I'm going to do is be satisfied with what God is doing once I've given him my best. Mm. Paul said, I've learned in whatsoever state I am therewith to be content. So so don't fall into the Saul syndrome. Always be willing to ask questions. Give your sincere opinion. Think about what you would like to hear, but also don't just tell them what you think they want to hear. Tell them truthfully what they need to hear and then just teach them that if they give their best, God is satisfied. That's beautiful. Thank you so much for having us come in today and talk through this. Um, This excerpt is from Hope for My Hometown. You can pick up your copy on davidtice.com. It's davidtice.com. The book is called Hope for My Hometown. It's church planning principles from our journey of faith. And really, it's their story, their detailed stories. It's not something that's just, oh, I'm not a church planner. No, you can use this as you read through it and apply the principles that they took into your building your own, planting your own family and building your own life. It's amazing. It'll challenge you. It'll challenge you in your faith. So pick up your copy at davidtice.com. So thank you for joining us today. This is Tice Talks. And it's more than a conversation.